evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Authors Access, where authors get published and published authors get successful. I'm Tyler Tischler of Superior Book Promotions in Marquette, Michigan. And I'm Victor Volkman with Loving Healing Press in Ann Arbor, Michigan. I'd like to welcome all our listeners to episode number 94 in our series. Tonight's topic is Target Marketing to Personas, Why Some People Won't Read Your Book. And our special guest is our very own Irene Watson. You can learn more about all of our guests on the Authors Access website, which is authorsaccess.com. We'd love to hear your questions and comments about tonight's show. Please send them to info at authorsaccess.com. Now, tonight we have uh, Irene as our guest, and her career has taken her from career counseling to business ownership to working for a police force to psychosynthesis counseling, teaching at a college, and retreat seminar workshop design and facilitation to her most recent venture, which is owning and managing reader views and all of its branches. She has a bachelor's in psychology from St. Edward's University in Austin and an MA in psychology from Regis University in Denver. After retiring in 2003, Irene authored an award-winning memoir, The Sitting Swing, which was originally published in 2005, and the second edition is out now. Having a hard time getting reviews for her first edition, she started Reader Views on a whim. Within a month, it exploded to a full-time business. So much for retirement. Since then, she has pioneered many other innovative marketing sites, including Inside Scoop Live, ReviewTheBook.com, BloggingAuthors.com, and many other services from press release writing to book videos to an international award contest now entering its fourth year. Now, tonight we're going to be taking advantage of Irene's psychology background and her constant study in this field, which gives her the ability to understand people and how they think. And for today's interview, how they read. Well, this is going to be interesting. Good evening, Irene. Hi, Victor and Tyler. Um, this is really great to be on this side and uh, talking to you. So, uh, yeah, uh, you know, being a review service, we hear um, quite often from different authors that, that they don't quite understand why a reviewer didn't like their book. And so today I want to talk about um, some of these reasons why. Great. Well, let's get started off. Maybe you can explain to us what a target market is and why everybody isn't my target market. <laughs> it basically, the reason that there isn't, you know, everybody isn't your target market, and I hear this often again, I have to say that, you know, the authors say, well, you know, the general public, I'm writing my book to the general public. Well, there isn't such a thing as the general public. There can't be. And it's a good thing there isn't. I mean, after all, we are all different types of personalities. We have different tastes. We have different ways that we read, how we accept information. And so it's important for a writer or an author to know who their target market is. And they need to make that decision before they even write the book so that the book can be written to that particular market. And uh, once, and we're going to do this in a little bit here, is we're going to establish and I'm going to be using Tyler, which I want to say up front, we have not practiced this. He really has no idea what I'm going to be asking him or what direction we're going to go into. But it's going to show our listeners how to create a persona and how to write the book to that particular person and then from there take it to the marketing to that particular group. I, Irene, since we're, we're talking about who your audience is and our, uh, our 
title here, our subtitle is why some people won't read your book. In determining your your target market, um, do, is it a good idea not just think about who will read your book, but which people will not want to read your book, who will be turned off by your book? Yeah, it's important to know the personalities. And let's face it, we know our own personality the most. And so we are going to be writing to the way that we know and how we read and how we accept things and how our persona is and how we're, what our preferences are. So we can't expect everybody else to have those same preferences. If, for instance, uh, I'm going to be using the Myers-Briggs. Now, that is one that I do know. There are other types of testing methods that um, people use and are familiar with, and it really doesn't matter which one you use as long as you know it and understand it they all kind of go to the same base in the end to understand the personas, to understand the personalities and the preferences. So, for instance, in the Myers-Briggs, there is, uh, first of all, I'm going to start off with the introvert and the extrovert. And those are two attitudes that people have. And so for an introvert, basically that person prefers internal worlds of ideas and they do reflection they uh, they draw a lot of energy from within themselves, whereas the extrovert then works on the external behaviors, the actions, the people, the things. They have they have a tendency to act and uh, on the outside world and how people are influenced influencing them from the outside. And it's important to me for them to be with groups of people and drawing energy from them. So, you know, there you go. Right from the beginning, you have to sort of realize what are you, an introvert or you're an extrovert. And then you look at how do you get your ideas. So, therefore, more than likely, when you understand how, let's say, um, Tyler, this is one thing that I'm going to say to the audience that I had talked to Tyler before to find out where he is in the Myers-Briggs so I can use him as a sample. He's an, you're an introvert, Tyler, so you do a lot of reflection and you get your ideas from the internal world, of your own internal world, and that's how you write. You are not taking the energy from others and writing. It's, it's all within you, and that's where you create. But then that goes a little further. Then we go to the, um, um, the different types of personalities from there. So there's, let's say, the sensing and... The sensing people perceive differently than, let's say, the intuitive people. The sensing people gather information, and the information that they gather needs to be concrete and tangible. And so they basically work on the five senses. And if you can kind of think about sensing people, you need to, to fill all the five senses so that when you're writing about the characters, if you're a sensing type of a person, then you also are going to be writing to the people that are a sensing type, you have to have that concrete information. You gather up the information, it has to be concrete, it has to be tangible. Now, on the other hand, there's the intuitive, which is kind of the opposite. They don't have to have tangible, concrete information. They're more into the abstract. And they're looking for themes and they're looking for patterns and maybe they're doing like working on trust and hunches and they want to sort of see the big picture. And rather than having it in bits and pieces of being concrete. And so I know that that is you, 
Tyler, you are an intuitive person. So when you are writing or when you are writing to, and, and the people that are going to be reading your book are similar personalities, you're looking at the big picture. And so then the, the next is the feeling personality. And uh, I must say that we all, we all have four different uh, aspects of this. And um, the feeling type of people, they work on emotions and empathy. And they prefer to think about it. They make the decisions on reasoning. And they're sort of devoid of any emotion or sentimentality. So when you're writing your book, to the thinking type of person, you have to make sure that you've got, you're filling their needs of, you know, what is the reason? They don't want all that emotional stuff. They want to know the reason things are happening. So the next one is the judging. And there again, the judging person, and this is also you, um, Tyler, you have a tendency to have the edge personality, which doesn't mean that you're judging everybody you see, but you you prefer to see things more in the concrete and definite, no loose ends, you know, just something that's really put together. And so when you write, also that's how you write, but also the reader, your reader, that's what they want. They want things that are definite and they want do not want loose ends. They want the, the plot to be very definite, concrete and the storyline not going off in some direction that doesn't even make sense. The perceiving types, they're like open to anything, whatever goes. They like having options. They prefer to explore possibilities. So when you're writing to those type of people, you end up you know, having several different plots. And sometimes when you uh, review books or when you read reviews, you will find that the reviewer says that there was, you know, a plot and there was a subplot and there was another subplot and there was just all these plots were going on at the same time. Well, that is to the attention of the perceiving type of uh, personality. Now, the judging type would not like that type of thing because they're very into very concrete, whereas the perceiving, you know, they've got all these plots going and they just can't get them all together. So does that make sense? Yeah, that that makes sense. Although I'm I'm wondering if uh, that's correct then for me. I I, I I like lots of multiple plots. Actually, uh-huh. but I think what I what you're saying there and how I would interpret that myself is, I get really impatient with authors that go off onto digressions where they're just trying to be funny or throwing things in there for the sake of humor. And I'm I'm all about let's get to the point. Yeah, exactly, so exactly. That, that would be different than multiple plots, it's still the same idea of the judge. Same idea, exactly, exactly. And I'm glad you brought that up because it doesn't necessarily only mean multiple plots, but I'm using that as an example. Multiple plots have a point. They come together with a point. I'm fine with it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But don't throw in something that just doesn't even belong. And yet, another type of a personality would think, wow, this is great. I love this little bit of humor in it. And they could make sense of it. So there again, you know, when you're writing you have to really be cognizant of who you're writing for. Uh, before we go on to the next step, and that would be the uh, temperaments of the uh, people that uh, will be reading your book, Do you, any questions? Well, I was just wondering if there aren't stereotypical personalities, for example, the romance reader versus the mystery reader. Do you think that, you know, that people reading romances would be more interested in, in the feelings and so on? Yes. 
Yes, because they can relate to the characters. They they want to. It's like reality TV. They can get themselves immersed into that character and fill some of their own needs. Or they may just have the enjoyment of, uh, you know, experiencing that character having a romance and uh, the plot goes on. As to whereas mystery, it's totally opposite. There's like there's a strong plot. There's probably a murderer. And it's like, you know, having to find out who the murderer is. And it goes here and it goes there. And it just you don't know who murdered whom at the, until the end. Whereas romance is different. And so, yes, two totally different personalities. It's the same as, um, you know, for instance, I do not understand science fiction. I just don't get it. I have tried, <laughs> but I just don't. And it's because that's just, you know, it's not my personality. And you can try all you can to explain to me how science fiction works, why, it, you know, it, it's just not going to work. And so you can't expect me to read science fiction. <laughs> well, that looks fascinating. Yeah, yeah. So... Let's go to the next step, and that's um, the temperaments of um, the personalities, which there again, this is where it's really important to know the temperaments because, especially your own temperament, because there again, you the author writes the way their own temperaments are, their own personalities are, and you cannot expect somebody with a different temperament to enjoy your book. It just can't because you're not writing to that type of a temperament. So, for instance, uh, there are four temperaments. Uh, there's um, methodical, spontaneous, humanistic, and competitive. And so I'm just going to touch just a little bit on each one. And methodical type of personality, they, there again, they appreciate the hard facts, the hard data. They want the information to be logical, you know, and concrete. And they, uh, they want details. They want specifics. They don't want any mismatches. And they can certainly find what's missing and what's wrong because they have a method. And so, you know, as I'm thinking here, some of the reviewers make comments in some of the books because they are methodical type of people that, you know, there are some details that are just missing. The character of development isn't there. There is, uh, you know, the plot is just really vague. There isn't all that information. It doesn't set me up for what is going on, and it says they are a methodical type of person. And, for example, the, um, um, I'm just thinking here, Linus from Peanuts, he would be a methodical type of a person. Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh is another one. They're very methodical. And basically, they want the question, how, answered. And on the other hand, there is the spontaneous, which is kind of an opposite of the methodical, they just kind of live in the moment, and they don't look for that hard data. Yeah, give me a little bit of plot, uh, set it up, let's move on. And so they're more into the personal quest of the impact. What is, you know, and that would be more for a, a mystery type of a book, and it's like they want action, they want impact, what's going on, we need it fast paced, we need to solve this problem, we need to solve it now. So that's a t- spontaneous type of a reader. And uh, for, let's say, a character, if that would be uh, Tigger and Winnie the Pooh or Snoopy and Peanuts. And the spontaneous people always want that why, 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 why. The humanistic, which is me, <laughs> and that's why I just don't get science fiction, I, um, I want it to be creative and I want it to be entertaining and I want to get some value. 
from it and when I read a fiction I want to be into that relationship with that character and I want to be able to relate to that character and I want to find out how that character thinks and feels and particularly feels and why are they doing this action or why are they doing that action and why aren't they doing this when they should be and so it's more like on that personal development so that's more of a humanistic type of a reader and the humanistic type of a reader and personality always always looks for that type of a character in the book also and um, some of the examples would be like uh, Pooh and Winnie the Pooh or Charlie Brown and um, another one would be Bridget uh, Jones and Bridget Jones Diary it's a uh, very humanistic and it's always a who question who you know who who are you who are you deep inside and so that's the kind of a character I'm looking for when I read the uh, other temperament is competitive. Now, we run into here as a book review service a lot of com- competitive authors. These are the ones that attempt to control what the reader gets out of the book because they are the type of people that not only want to control their own life but also everybody else's life. So they're the ones that do not understand people like me who they can't control how I think or what I want to read, or what I want, how I want to see that character. And so they're very goal-oriented, and they're very competitive, and they're highly motivated, and they get very upset if the reader, or in our case, the reviewer, does not like their book. And uh, some of the, um, because of their the competitiveness and highly motivated, they always want that what question answered. And... As far as the reader goes, when they are the competitive type of a reader, they want to know, what are your credentials as an author? Who are you? Did you do any research, and where did your research come from? They're the ones that the readers really want to know that, you know, okay, you went and you researched, and even though it's a fiction, I want that, if it's a regional or whatever, I want that to be correct. You know, there's no license in there for anything that's, not correct and for instance characters that are competitive would be um, Lucy and Peanuts uh, Yoda in Star Wars or Rabbit and Winnie the Pooh so that kind of gives you some idea as to the temperaments any questions I'm just well Irene throwing this out at you we're, we're talking about um, I, I know when you and I when you start asking me more personal questions it's going to be specifically about fiction Mm-hmm. But here, are we saying, are, is it possible that certain temperaments lean more heavily towards nonfiction versus fiction? Yes, uh, I would say that they are, but uh, today we're talking specifically about fiction because uh, that's what we're talking about. And we, But really, the reader, the, what we're talking about is the author and the reader. And today, we're ta- because we're talking about fiction, we're talking about the author and what they need to understand about their audience and how they read. And that's the bottom line, is how does your reader read? And because, as an author, you will only write, in most cases, to what you understand and what your own personality is, that's who you're going to be writing to, and that's who your target market is and target audience. Okay. That makes sense. Is that Okay, good. Victor, do you have any questions before I go on? To create a persona? Uh-huh. I was kind of wondering if there were some stereotypical personas that reviewers were sort of drawn to being. I mean, it's a certain type of person who's interested in reviewing a book, yes? Have you found that? 
Not necessarily. Um, I have, well, you know, I just need to kind of hesitate here, too, because when I was choosing my reviewers, I was trying to fill all, all the different personas and all the different genres so that, you know, well, I have reviewers for every category and every genre because there are some that will just will not read a specific genre. So I think that there's a mix, and basically there again, it's just, you know, whatever personality they are, they will read that particular genre only. They may sway off a little bit. Um, I've got one on review of the book right now that I'm trying to convince her to just kind of take the risk and try another genre, but she's really afraid to because she's just not sure that she's going to enjoy it. So, you know, I don't know if there are stereotypes or not. I, I have a tendency to say no. I'm I'm always willing to read everything, so yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm pretty much happy with any book that comes my way. Right, any genre. But then, you know, there are specific things that you are looking for, and there are specific things that, for you, make a really good book or not. Whereas, you know, for example, um, I'll just tell you a thing that happened just this week, recently, in the last couple of weeks, actually. Uh, and this is why it's so so important that the synopsis is really. It discloses what the book is about so that the target audience, the the personality, can get it. I know my reviewers really well because most of them have with me right from the beginning of time. And so what I do in Express Reviews is I look at the synopsis and I can pretty much tell who's going to like the book. And so I read the synopsis of this particular book and I chose the review, asked her if she would review it, and she said yes, she got the book. She hated it. She trashed it. She said it was, you know, just... Horrible writing, horrible writing. <laughs> and so when I read the review that she did, and I thought, oh, it does not match the synopsis at all. There's nothing that even remotely is the same. It's like two different things. So unbeknownst to another reviewer, I didn't tell her that she was the second reviewer. I sent her the re- book and asked her to review it. She loved it. She loved the book. Her review was like it was from a totally different book. And, you know, there you go. And so a lot of times I get authors also saying, well, you know, your reviewer didn't even read the book It's because that's not what the book is about. But, yeah, it is. That's what it's about because that's what the reviewer read. So, you know, there's the difference and why it's so important to, to know who your target is, to write that synopsis that is clear and is towards that, the right target market. And a lot of times what happens is the author themselves don't write the synopsis. Maybe the publisher does or the publicist. And there again, they could be a totally different personality and get something totally different out of that book than what it was really intended to in the first place. So there you go. Okay, we're going to be running out of time, so I want to go and create a, um, the next step. And Tyler, I'm going to use you, so I hope you have the paper and pencil ready because we're going to create the personality the persona that you are going to be writing your next book to. And I understand right now you are writing a book, so let's just talk about that for a second. Do you have a working title? Yes. Okay, and it is? It is um, King Arthur's Legacy. Okay, I'm going to write this down too, King Arthur's Legacy. Okay, and uh, so what is the genre? It would be, it's kind of like a mix between historical fiction and fantasy. Historical fiction and fantasy, okay. So we already have uh, something to, to talk about because we've got historical fiction and we've got fantasy. Quite often, those are two different types of readers. Uh, for instance, I'm going to use 
myself, when I look at that, and it's like, yeah, I'll read the historical fantasy. I don't think so, and I'm going to pass this. But so we're going to take this further and see if you know what we can do with this. So first of all, let's create who you're going to be writing this to, and we're going to start creating a persona, and you're going to be writing to a specific person. And what we're going to do is create this person that is going to be your potential reader and a representative of your target market. So first of all, um, do you want your reader to be a male or a female? Um, I guess a male. Okay. Um, Give him a name. George. Okay. And we need the last name. Not anybody that you know, but, you know, this is a fictitious name. McDonald. Okay. George McDonald. Okay. And what age group is he in? Probably 40. He's 40 years old. Um, does he have any hobbies? Well, he reads books. Um, okay. Um, any other hobbies? Computer games. Video games? Okay. And Probably. Okay. Good. So he's got, he reads and he has video, he plays video games. What would he, his income be? He's probably, oh, I don't know, I would guess he's middle class, so. What would the income be? 40,000. Okay. 40, 50,000, something like that. Okay, 40 annual, okay. Uh, married, single? Um, I'm going to say he's married. Married? Uh, children? Yes. How many? Two. Ages? Six and eight. Six and eight, okay. And uh, what does he do to make this um, $40,000 a year with his occupation? Um, he works in the, well, we'll say he works in the auto industry. Auto industry, okay. Yeah, like okay. He designs, he's some sort of a designer, I guess, for automobiles. Designer of automobiles, okay, good. So here we are, we have a 40-year-old male that is um, works in the auto industry. He designs uh, automobiles and uh he makes $40,000 a year. He's married. He's got two children. And during his spare time, he reads and he plays video games. All right. So let's now talk about his core values. What would be some of his core values? I know it doesn't make sense right now why I'm asking you these questions, but you'll see in the end. Okay. Well, I, I would guess raising his children. Okay. Um, probably keeping his marriage strong. Mm-hmm. Taking pride in his work. Okay. Um, honesty. Okay. So let's take this now to some of maybe what um, what would you say that he embraces? Like what does he like to do? I would think that he would like to spend time with his family, doing family things like family trips, outings, vacations. Okay. Playing with his kids. Okay. What does he avoid? Shopping. Mm-hmm. Spending too much time with his friends because his wife gets mad. <laughs> okay. Mowing the lawn. Okay. So it sounds like he sort of avoids domestic type of work or yeah. domestic things. Okay. Let's now go to what are his needs? Um, I'm going to say money, like trying to make ends meet. I, I, I would say his uh, making sure that his children are safe and secure. Okay. Time to relax. And so what motivates him? Well, taking care of his family first. Okay. Um, probably after that, just having having fun. Uh-huh. And I would say trying to do the right thing and uh, make make the world a little bit better than when he came into it. Okay. 
Good. Here we have this male, George McDonald, 40, married. Sounds like he's pretty much family-oriented. That's that's sort of the main thing right now is to make sure that his family is safe and uh, looked after, um, yet he just really doesn't like the domestic stuff of shopping and mowing lawns and all that stuff that goes with it. So you have this character or this persona that you are going to be writing to. And so now let's go to your book, King Arthur, and let's just kind of think about this. This 40-year-old George MacDonald, he's pretty much into family. So, and is your book going to fit what his interests are? Is it family-oriented? Does it resonate to him? Yeah, I, I would think so in the sense that it is about um, it is about a family. It's, it's about a young man who um, never knew his father and is looking for his father. Mm-hmm. It has a uh, it has a modern time frame, and then it has a portion that would go back into uh, the time of King Arthur and try to understand um, what happened to King Arthur. And there's uh, definitely like family, father, son sort of. Uh, bonding moments in, in mm-hmm. both the modern and the earlier sections. Okay. So I, I would think that that would be something you would find appealing. Okay, great. So there you are. Um, this is just, you know, the, you need to do the, doing more work on this, but this gives an idea of getting a person in your mind, creating a persona, and then writing to that person. And, you know, you have to create this George to... Take this even further. How does he think? What does he, you know, what persona is he? How? What is his personality? Now, we didn't take this into his reading style or whatever his um, uh, personality is or his temperament, but now that you have the type of information, let's say the temperament, so let's let's talk about George. Is he competitive, spontaneous, methodical, or is he humanistic? What would you venture to say George is, George McDonald, 40-year-old George McDonald? I would probably lean towards humanistic, maybe a little bit methodical. I would think so, too, because from what I'm hearing you say, he is family-oriented. That seems to be his base. So now when you're writing your book, then it's really important to get that humanistic appeal to into your book, into the characters. And there again, it's like, you know, who, who are they? Who, what, what can I relate as a humanistic person? What is it that, you know, the, the, the values, the relationships, the being creative and taking that into that direction? Now, being that you're saying that George is also, he's a designer of automobiles, to me, that says, yes, yeah, very methodical. So that means that, you know, he's almost the opposite on one end from being humanistic, which is very possible because part of him, it's like it's got to be hard data, it's got to be information, there's got to be details and specifics and what's missing, what's wrong. So you have to also look at the characters and the plot and the storyline to fill that part of it too. You know, is it complete? Is there date? enough detail about the character or the the scene or, you know, wherever you said it's historical fiction. So 
you know, where the place, where does it take, and is there enough information there to really create the scene? Okay. So does so, that does that make yeah, sense? No, yeah, that makes perfect sense. And so I'm just thinking. Um, so what I would maybe want to do is is not just George, but like you, I mean, the first question you asked was, is the person to be male or female? So I could do the same thing. I could create a female character. Exactly. Exactly. And maybe different people in different different uh, age groups, different social backgrounds, and then yes, that would help you pinpoint yes who would be a reader, who wouldn't be a reader. Yes, you got it. You got it. Know your reader. Write to the reader. That's the bottom line. Don't write to the general public because there isn't such a thing. And so I also want you to look at the fact you said historical fiction, fantasy. As a humanistic person, as an intuitive person, I have a hard time with that. But you can probably pull it off. But you have to be very, very clear and know that how to really put those two together and not have them fight against each other. Because, you know, your historical fiction reader, I would be really clear and really kind of do some thinking about the fact as to are they really a fantasy reader too because that's a totally different personality and persona. But as I say, you can probably pull it off. Yeah, and I, and I think it probably tends more towards the historical fiction. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the fan, the fantasy involved is, is, is minor in the sense that there's a little magic used and things like that. But when you write about King Arthur, he's sort of legend already. Right. I mean, no one knows if he lived or not for sure. So yeah, yeah. You, you try to set into a historical background, but you're giving a little bit of leniency there compared yeah. to if you were writing a book about, say, you know, the Tudor period, like King Henry VIII. Mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. would be very strictly historical. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, this is something that takes quite some time, and I'm just going to sort of leave you with this. And, of course, if you need more help, uh, let me know. But this will give you get started anyway as to really revisiting. I know that you have most of the book written already, but I really encourage you, Tyler, to take a look at this again and really, really know who you're writing to. And, uh, you know, the same as when you're getting reviews, to be sure that you're targeting the right audience. But then, you know, when you, when you have the book published, who is your target market? And then you do the same type of thing. You create the persona and you take that further. Okay, so where do these people hang around? Where, you know, where are these people? There's no point marketing to people that don't exist. So when you take this now, where is George McDonald? You know, um, he doesn't like to shop. He doesn't like to mow lawns, so obviously he doesn't hang around in uh, uh, Home Depot also. So obviously that's not where you're going to do your marketing. And so obviously, you know, he's a family person. He likes to do things with his family. So where do families go? And so then you start looking at it that way. Okay, where do I market my book? Where does George go? And all the other George McDonald's that are, you know, in that age group and that uh, a personality, persona, temperament. Where are they? Yeah, he, he likes to play video games, so I would think he'd be likely to discover the book online as opposed there to you go. Um, Walmart's mm-hmm. uh, book section because he doesn't like to shop. Exactly, exactly. So why spend a bunch of energy and time marketing where this person isn't even going to be? I had somebody ask me, um, I was on a blog thing for a day, and uh, Somebody had asked, you know, is it a good idea to market my book at an art fair? And, you know, it's the same thing. Well, 
are your readers, do they hang out at an art fair? Why do they go to an art fair? Uh, you know, are they there to buy books or are they buy to buy, there to buy art? Uh, the same as uh, I noticed there was a not very long ago I was at a farmer's market here, and it's a huge farmer's market, and there was a, um, an author there with a whole bunch of books, and so I just, there was music playing and um, a place to sit, so I just sat down, and I sat there for about an hour and just really observed what was happening. And in that hour, the author did not even sell one book. Occasionally, people would kind of slow down and look. Most people just walked by because they weren't there to buy a book. They were there to buy their carrots and beans and beets and meat and cheese for the week. So there again, you know, it was just, you know, the author was there for, well, from nine to one, I guess, and uh, I'm not sure that he was even able to pay for what he had to pay for that stall. So there again, it's important to know where this George McDonald goes. Victor, do you have any anything to say or questions, or you haven't said very much here at all, haven't had a chance? <laughs> well, you know, uh, I've always thought that, that Shakespeare wrote on multiple levels for for multiple audiences, and maybe that's part of the key to its enduring. Do you? What do you think about that? Yeah, and he probably understood who his readers were, and not only that, he was able to flip around from personality to personality himself. And some people can do that, some people can't. And um, but there again, Shakespeare didn't write to me because I do not understand any of his work. But you you were talking earlier about multiple plots, and one thing Shakespeare did was he had lots of multiple plots, and he yeah, had plots with upper class characters, and then plots with the lower class characters. Right. That would appeal to both. And, and just thinking of that, I think of books that have multiple plots and how I, uh, uh-huh. I'll i make it through the parts with the characters I don't really care about because then there's other characters that I do care about. Exactly. And you'll flip through pages, three or four pages, and just sort of skim because they have no interest whatsoever. And all of a sudden, you'll stop because there's a plot that does interest you. And that's because all of a sudden, the author has switched and is writing to you. So. Or just the diversity of characters. Like I often ask people, mm-hmm. who are their favorite characters in my book? Mm-hmm. And the women are usually divided like between two, two mm-hmm. certain female characters are always the two favorites that always come up. Yeah, yeah. Despite, you know, other characters in the books. Yeah. And not necessarily has to be the, the main character. They may not even resonate to the main character or even remember what the main character's name is, but they'll resonate with some other maybe sub-character because... Right that personality is what really touches them because that's who they are. We've had a fabulous show and we're just about out of time. So if you could recap some of the resources and things that you want our listeners to know about. You know, there's so much online right now that I really encourage the authors to find what works for them. Maybe it's the Myers-Briggs, what I'm talking about, or some other means that really gives them an indication of who they are themselves and who they're writing to. And that is, that's the most important thing is to know your target. Who are you writing to? And one way is, is to keep re-listening to this interview and stop and it's like, okay, what is the, what is the name that you're writing to? Is it a male or a female? And keep creating these particular personalities and then sit down and write to them and to really understand who you're writing to. And I think that from that, the authors will just be much more successful. They're not going to have, 
you know, times where they just don't, don't, can't write and, or don't know where to start. And I hear this so often, it's like, I don't know where to start. Or they'll write chapter one and they'll rewrite chapter one and then they'll rewrite chapter one and they again will rewrite chapter one. They never get to chapter two because they don't have a clue who they're writing to. If they knew who they were writing to, they knew the personality, it would be easy, chapter one, chapter two, and so on, because you're writing to somebody in specific, and it's like telling somebody a story. In your case, um, Tyler, you know, George McDonald, you're telling him a story, and this goes on and on. You know him. He's your friend. You get to be friends with his personality that you create, and you write to them. And so, and as I say, there's just a lot of stuff on the internet. There's some of the books that I know of that, you know, understanding people that you work with, uh, the personalities. There's, uh, oh, I just forget, but there's, I think it's called Right Tie Personality Types and Writing Styles. There are just a number of books that um, will help you also understand the target market who you're writing to. Yeah, I, I think this is really helpful, Irene, because it, it makes me, it it, uh, it t- definitely makes me visualize who that person is. And I know in the past, if anything, I've visualized the negative people in my life saying, oh, this isn't going to be very good or you <laughs> that. Yeah. And now instead, it's going to be much more positive for me because I'll, I'll be visualizing, you yeah. know, really who you want your reader to That's be. That's right. And the last person you ever want to write to is somebody in your family. Good grief. Mm-hmm. You know, but don't even attempt to visualize them as your reading audience because they don't tell the truth when they read it or, as you say, you know, they're negative people in your life. So uh, move past the, uh, the family and friends and create someone that you're writing to. You know what this made me want to do is, what? Uh, like, draw draw George's picture. <laughs> exactly. Computer. So yes. I can see him and the other people that I can envision. Yes. A picture is really good. Maybe just uh, go through a magazine and find pictures of people that I think look like they're yes. with like my book. Yes, yes. Like a you know like a vision board creative. Uh huh. Exactly, exactly. And you know, may you may look at this George McDonald after writing all this down and creating him, and maybe he's really not the person you want to write to. You know, that's, that's the too. other thing too. So just because we used him, you know, there might be might be. He needs to have, be somebody else. So he's he's a little bit too much like me, though. Too, I think he's he's close to my age, and, and uh, yeah, yeah. You know, and and so I uh, need to think about other people, like you know, eighty-year-old women and twenty-year-old girls, and figure out where they would fit. And yeah, and probably twenty-year-old girls would not. But you know, you, boys probably, but not twenty-year-old girls. Yeah. So yeah. I, you know, I thought something the other day that said that more women read fantasy than both guys do now. Really? Which surprised me. Huh. Yeah, that's, that's good to know. Like, I don't know if it's because there's fantasy that's more romance-oriented, maybe. But uh-huh. Well, that could be. It could be, and maybe women are just the... needing to, uh, you know, with all the stress in life, maybe that's one way of them escaping. A lot of the interviews that you send me are fantasy novels. Yeah. I think it seems like most of them are written by women. Yeah, yeah. At least, especially the ones that are more, you know, children. Children, yeah. You know, young adults and stuff. Yeah. It'll keep me thinking for a while. Good, 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 good. <laughs> that was the, the point of it, so. Right. Okay, well, thanks again, Irene. And You're welcome. You can visit her on uh, readerviews.com and bloggingauthors.com. And thanks again to our friend Tyler for stopping in from Marquette Fiction. 
and Superior Book Promotions. You can find out more about him on MarquetteFiction.com. And you've been listening to another podcast edition of Authors Access, where authors get published and published authors get successful. We'll be back next time when our topic will be Creating Great First Impressions, and our special guest will be Deborah Reynolds. You can learn more about all of our guests on the Authors Access website, which is AuthorsAccess.com. Send us your questions and comments about tonight's show to info at AuthorsAccess.com. Authors Access is a joint production of Reader Views Incorporated and Loving Healing Press. And for Superior Book Promotions, this is Tyler Tischler in Marquette, Michigan. And for Loving Healing Press, this is Victor Volkman in Ann Arbor, Michigan, wishing you all a good evening.